What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds, videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Did it? I am the captain now. Look at me. Oh, look at you in the captain's chair. (laughs) This is great. Uh, For for folks who uh, can't see this, um, if you're a patron, you can. You can go over to Patreon.com/slash/TurnMeOn, and you can see that Bridie is holding down the studio all by herself, holding it down, pressing all the buttons, setting up all the recording. (laughs) First time ever. And I'm uh I'm locked down here at home in it, my little jungle corner. How come? How come you're not here at the studio with me? And also how come we didn't have an episode out on time this week because I've covid. Hooray. Yay, Jeremy's got covid. COVID but you know what? Club. I'll tell you this. Um not nearly as bad as I had hyped it up to be. Are you it having any up. symptoms or what's going on no, with you? No. Like none. That's like literally like literally none. That's so bananas. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say literally none because like I am I am tired. Yeah. But that's it. Like I'm just tired. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it was a fucking oh, Jesus Christ. It was such a fucking rigmarole to get diagnosed. 
Yeah. Because uh, I took like, I was taking, well, Kira tested positive. So I was like, oh, well, she tested positive. And I just, I literally just like swabbed the back of her throat with my tongue. I'm probably going to test positive now too. <laughs> and uh, I took a rapid test and the rapid came back and it was like, yep, positive. You have COVID. And I was like, oh, okay, well, then I should do the, the, the responsible thing here and I should go get um, a PCR to confirm. Yeah. <clears throat> I went and I got a PCR test and the PCR was negative. I was like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. So then I waited a day, took another rapid, and it was negative. I was like, what? So I went and got another PCR, which was negative. What is happening? Now, at that point, public health was like, you don't have COVID. So I was right. like, okay, cool. So I went out, went to Brian's, hung out in the hot tub, <laughs> fucking whatever, had dinner with Brian and his girlfriend and their family. And then uh, woke up the next day, took another rapid, positive. I was like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. So then I called public health and they were like, look, blow your nose right before you get a PCR. I was okay. Like, okay. So I went, I got a PCR, blew my nose right before. She gave me an extra deep swab. Oh, God. Extra long. Oh, God. 10 seconds over five. And, uh, and then it came back uh, positive. But um, what to be had honest with you, if, if Kira hadn't tested positive, I would, have, I would not have had a fucking idea. I wouldn't even have been testing because I don't, I don't have a, I like, literally, I don't have a single fucking symptom. It's so, it's so weird, man. What, what does blowing the nose do? What's it getting out of the way? Just like. I think it's like, brain, like if you have COVID and, and like, so I think the idea she, you know, was like, okay, well, if you blow your nose, you're going to bring all that gunk forward. Yeah. So, you know. Where you want it to be. I, I guess. Fuck, I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Well, that's yeah, really interesting. So, it makes me wonder, you know, I, we've talked about this before, whether I've had it. Because I was really tired there for yeah. a couple of weeks, unexplainably, yeah. with no other symptoms. Um, but it's so wild because, you know, today, the day we're recording this, Friday, the May, Friday, May the 6th, um, is the two year anniversary of my dad's passing, which oh, wow. just, today's the day. Today is the day. And it oh. brings me, it just, I was thinking about how wild our lives were two years ago. Um, you know, like I, I, I picked up, I was doing some turn me on work, booking some guests and I've stumbled upon an email that I had written in January, 2020. And it was before we, it was when we thought we couldn't do virtual recordings. We had to do them mm. in person. Yeah. And I was just thinking about how much has changed since then and how fucking scared we were. You yeah. like you and I at the top of this, you know, you were uh, totally, I was on Prince Edward Island taking care of my dad. You were totally isolated in that, big house that we yeah. lived and shared roommates with and kicked them all out during COVID. And it's yeah, just, just me and Bigby. It was the thought of you getting it at the time was unfathomable. It was crazy. Like I like literally thinking, Oh, well if I get this, I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. You know what an incredibly stressful, stressful time that was. It's wild. Yeah. Wild to think about, but, uh, but, anticlimactic in the very end. I mean, you know, it's not over and I could still get COVID again in the future and who knows, but right now I'm sitting on this like, this like Zeta cuck variant that's going around, I guess. Um, what? Did you hear about the new Zeta cuck variant? 
Uh, no, and I'm assuming you added the cuck? <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, it's a little Zeta cuck fucking... Why is it Why is it a Zeta cuck? Who's it cucking? I'm cucking it. Oh, I see. <laughs> Zeta is the new... They yeah. shouldn't have named it. Zeta is like... Have you never heard Zeta used before? No. Zeta's like, Zeta's like even lesser than beta. Well, yeah, it's Zeta. It's the last Zeta. letter of the alphabet. It's as far away from alpha as you can you get. Got, you got alpha, right? Yeah. You don't fuck with the alpha. No. But you get then you got Zeta. Zeta's a little little weenie. Um, I've got the little weenie COVID. Okay. All right. Well, we're grateful. So who knows? I might get. I might. I might end up with long COVID, and then I'll be crying and saying, "Shouldn't I hadn't said that?" Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, have you read more about? Not that we need to get into this, but I, I, I haven't. It's been so long since I've kind of tuned into the COVID news to know what what's going around right now and what what you know what wave we're in, things like that. No, you have no idea. I don't know. So we just live with it now. That that happened like sort of seamlessly. It seems. Two years. Took us two years to, to realize that this is it. We're living with it. <sighs> okay. Well, here but we anyway, are. I feel good. I feel fine. feel great. My isolation ends uh, tomorrow. So or th- tomorrow's the last day. Yeah. So I'm out of isolation on Sunday. Okay. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, What's the first thing you're going to do when you're out of isolation? I'm going to go see a wrestling match. <laughs> are you participating in the wrestling match? Because you could. No. You don't have COVID anymore. No, fuck no. no. At Propeller? Yeah. Like yeah, it's happening? Arc- downstairs in the arcade. Yeah. Full it's on a- like wrestling ring. It's fucking. Live? It's going to be batshit crazy. Holy live. shit. Yeah. yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I'm coming to Toronto next week. So the, wow. the timing couldn't have been more perfect. I fly I to Toronto know that. next. Yeah. You don't, you didn't know that? Well, you've been in isolation. I feel like we haven't been in the studio together. I've been really missing you actually. And no, I have no idea what's going on in your life. Yeah, I'm going to Toronto to see last podcast on the left live at Massey Hall with uh, Lauren, my uh, old producer of Sick Boy. Oh, awesome. And her partner, Eddie, and uh, Kira's coming along. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, so I fly out on on Saturday next week. Next week. So if you're uh, you're listening to this right now and you're in Toronto and you want to hang out, I I can't get COVID, so. Well. Let's hang. We're traveling as well. Turn me on is traveling soon as well. We should talk about that. All right. Turn me on. Coming to Ottawa. We're looking to do potentially a live show in Ottawa on June 8th, uh, TBA. Um, and then and then we're taking part in uh, COCA this year, which is the... You know what? I couldn't even tell you what COCA stands wait, for. Canadian wait. Organization yeah. of... College. College. Uh, uh, hang on. Fuck. I don't know. Anyway, it's a showcase um, uh, where we're hoping to we're presenting in front of a bunch of a uh, bunch of student union uh, representatives to maybe get booked at your university. If you're listening to this and you're going to school here in Canada somewhere, we might be coming to you. So the Canadian Ottawa, Organization of Campus Activities. Yes, that's it. So yeah, we we are going to perform at this showcase, which means that you could see us at your university. Um, and mm-hmm. we are having a lot of fun uh, daydreaming about what we might do on stage during this this uh, showcase. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering what the college kids 
what the college kids are wanting to hear more about, what they're wanting to talk out loud about. That they Turn me on podcast at gmail.com if you're going to college right now and there, you know, there's stuff that you want to kind of dive into if we yeah. come to your school. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's going to be fun. And uh, it's, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for the live show stuff. June 8th, I believe, will be the night that we do a live show if we can get it all sorted out. We're uh, working with a venue right now to get that figured out. And we love coming to Ottawa. We love doing shows there. We've done Algonquin shows a number of times. It's always a really, really fun time. Absolutely. Really looking forward to seeing you all there. Um, oh, what fuck? What else was going to say about Ottawa? We can't. It's the capital of Canada. Um, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lovely city. Um, a lot of bullshit been happening there the last little bit, you know, um, with the convoys and what what have you. Yeah. I wonder if uh, you have an idea for a guest uh, for our live show who's based in Ottawa. We are looking for um, a guest still, and we know that we have a pretty engaged audience and listenership in Ottawa. So we will also take your recommendations for guests at termionpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. That's fun. Um, So uh, I know this COVID thing kind of threw a wrench into a lot of our plans for recording this week, and uh, considering that I've just been napping pretty much all day, every day. Uh, we'll keep this, we'll keep this a little tight just for my own, <clears throat> my own longevity. I heard actually from a lot of folks, my, um, so my sister is a, a singer, professional, uh, singer songwriter, and she's performing this weekend at the East coast music awards in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Um, but she was saying that a lot of folks are really feeling it in their vocal cords and in their vocal power, like their vocal stamina. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I've noticed my voice has cracked a couple of times in the last few days and that never happens to me. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because it's been a a particular area of interest for me. Anybody who's been listening long enough knows I do. I have a voice practice um, that I'll sometimes bring out into the classroom or workshop setting. And, um, And in my massage therapy program, we had to present a presentation um, on a type of, you know, anything that really had to do with massage and blank. And so I did some research and a presentation on massage for vocal dysfunction. And a lot of, um, the studies that I looked up, uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot, a handful, a couple of the relevant studies that I saw were, um, recent based on long COVID and vocal strain. Um, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's, uh, voice is a really important, important thing um, to me. And I, I held a retreat last weekend uh, here in Nova Scotia. It was like a creativity retreat, an artist retreat. And mm-hmm. we all offer each other different creative activities. We lead the group in different creative activities. We did some dance. We did some painting. We did some uh, creative writing. We did some art installation in the woods. It was such a cup filling retreat. Um, I know a couple of our listeners, uh, were able to attend. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah, it was, it was really great. And I'm still flying high from it at the end. I really wanted, I, one of my creative goals for the weekend was to produce some group sound and, and we hadn't really touched on it so much on this particular weekend. So at the, at the end of our closing circle, like the last group activity we did, I got everyone to do the, um, the version of grace that happens around my sister's dinner table, which is just a chant of the word yum. 
and uh, which also happens to be the 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 chant, the sound yum of the that we chant when we're working with the heart chakra, uh, which is just so fitting that the heart would be yum. Um, and is that a getting, thing? I didn't know that. Is that yeah. the thing? You you chant yeah. yum when you're working a heart chakra? It's stuff? it's Y A M. Like so. Oh yum 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 Exactly. Uh, I did a little chanting this morning. I did all the chakras this morning. I turned a real corner yesterday on on um I had been feeling a while inspired by my retreat. I had been feeling a bit sad because uh the week before that, um my brother's my brother and sister's father passed away. Uh so, you know, we're siblings by through my mom. Um but their their dad uh you know, passed away at a ripe old age and, and all was well, but I, I, I got to visit with my brother. My brother came home to, to sort of do a little memorial. And, um, I was really, I don't like to use this word lightly, but I was really triggered by his grieving process. Um, he was kind of like, you know, drinking a lot and, um, we got, we had a really great night, drank a tons of wine it was really really fun and the next morning i woke up and you know how i am when i'm hungover <laughs> yeah i was very 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 sad sad and it stuck around and you know i didn't i didn't criticize my brother or anything we all have our ways of grieving and but uh but you know when you spend 48 hours with someone who's drunk uh it can sometimes get a little bit like you're just you're holding you're holding a lot of space the emotion wasn't mine. I was holding the space for him and, and we don't have, like I see him maybe once every five years. And after I got back home, I just felt so emotional and it took me back to being a kid when those older siblings that I had, they would sort of come and go from my life quite a bit, mostly because I was raised by other people. Um, but it was so, it, used to give me such heartache to say goodbye to them. Just like a lonely kind of heartache because I, I couldn't really talk about it with anyone, like with my stepmom yeah. um, or my dad. You know, we just didn't hold space for each other to talk about emotions and stuff like that. Yeah. So I was really feeling just like this residual and like old sadness that took a while. It just took a while to shake. And then to compound that, my sister... Tara. So my brother, my sister, and I, we all have the same mom. So Tara uh, is wrote a memoir and it hasn't been released yet, but she gave me a copy and I've been avoiding it, avoiding it, avoiding it because I know there's a lot of dark family stuff in there. Right. And, um, and I just didn't feel like I was emotionally able to go there. So, and then I, but I did, cause I know she's waiting for me to, tell her how fantastic it is. And it is, it's so beautiful. And I read the first few chapters and that was all I could sort of handle. And then, uh, and then I don't know, I, I don't know what happened yesterday, but a whole bunch of sort of synchronistic messages came through the universe at me and, uh, basically told me I needed to get up off my ass and kick myself into gear. Cause I, mm. I think I, I think uh, it's really easy for me to to spiral down into, you know, what's my place? What's my purpose? What am I doing? 
not even like a sense of productiveness that I feel like I need, but a, a sense of, I don't know, just like a, a longing to connect more deeply mm. with the people and the world and to like express myself with, um, without, you know, whatever the old, the old stories are that keep me from feeling like, you know, keep me taking myself too seriously, taking my, my, um, my ego a little too seriously. So right. I'm really trying to, I really feeling a light, a lightened mood today, but, um, well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, uh, I feel just brain fog. That's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> much it. I felt very beige all week. Um, plain. but, uh, very plain. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping to turn a corner after this weekend. So, um, I'm also just really fucking bummed out. Like, I mean, like whatever, everything, the, the whole world's a bummer. The news is a bummer. This whole like abortion bullshit is a bummer. Yeah. Um, and I know that like, kind of like speaking, preaching to the choir here, I doubt there's anyone who listens to this fucking show who's like pro life, but, um, I read a, uh, I actually read a, a post, uh, Sophia Bush, the actress put this put this quote up um this passage up uh yesterday on instagram it says um it's just kind of like it's kind of kind of very well said and, and sort of even put things into perspective for me as someone who is very much pro-choice um it says here's the thing guys it doesn't matter it doesn't matter when life begins it doesn't matter whether a fetus is a human being or not. That entire argument is a red herring, a distraction, a subjective and unwinnable argument that could not matter less. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about a fertilized egg or a fetus or a baby or a five-year-old or a Nobel Prize winning pediatric oncologist. Nobody has the right to use your body against your will, even to save their life or the life of another person. That's it. That's the argument. You cannot be forced to donate blood or marrow or organs, even though thousands die every year on waiting lists. They cannot even harvest your organs after your death without your explicit written pre-mortem, permi pre-mortem permission. Denying women the right to abortion means we have less bodily autonomy than a corpse. Mm. Okay. That fucking last line blew my mind. Mm -hmm. we have less bodily autonomy than a corpse. That's fucking crazy. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. You the know, whole... It, the whole thing is so fucking crazy. To me. And like, you know, the, the, like the no, it, the, even the, even the notion of even someone who believes that like a fetus is a, like carries a spirit. Sure. That's like, that belief can just as well stand right next to the belief that someone has the right to terminate that fetus, regardless of it, even if it does have a spirit. Yeah. You know, like your spiritual beliefs are sacred and they're beautiful and they're wonderful and they are just as valid as the human right to have a choice over what you fucking do with your body yeah oh man it makes me so fucking aggravated yeah it, it's and you know it's not it's not new because of all the stuff that was happening before 
um, with the like the Texas abortion law. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the fe- the sentiment is already <clears throat> is already like it's we're already on high you know defense. I yeah. think from that, and um, I've been trying to make sense of it. I had you know it does it it didn't it doesn't make sense to me on any other level. I you know we talk about sure what you just said the the life the life conversation but it doesn't you know there's no other i it doesn't make sense to me there doesn't seem to be any other motive for it than control and yeah and uh and i listened and if anybody is also having trouble sort of like understanding it all um the daily has done a couple of really great episodes um the last oh, three days and uh but they really validated what I was feeling in their episode from yesterday where they were talking with a woman who was saying how, you know, it's, it's a, it is a class, it's, it's a class um, war in a way because the only people who will have access to, because you, people will still be able to travel, right? But, mm. but hunt, but not everyone, not everyone will be able to travel the hundreds of miles or kilometers to the state that does allow abortions and then compound that with, you know, in abortions in states where you can get one, um, you know, how much more overloaded their system will be for the people who actually live in that state. Right. And yeah, it just, it seems, it almost seems like, and I don't, I don't want to dabble into like conspiracy theory here but it almost seems like a let's keep let's keep like even the fact that this conversation is happening just feels like busy making or noise making it's like let's distract them with this so they're not paying attention let's distract all the people who you know are affected by this which is most most people and get them all tied up about this so we again we can avoid the fucking important topics like the planet and what we're gonna fucking do Let's keep the poor people fucking poor because those are the people who aren't going to be able to afford getting abortions. And it just it just means chaos for us down here at the bottom of the mm. of the income um, scheme. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I didn't mean to like bring that all down and um, get too heavy there. But I, I did. I did. I did really want to read that that thing that Sophia Bush posted because it. Uh, I think it was very, um, very fitting. Well, I'm um, glad you did. We have an interview actually next week uh, for this podcast with um, someone from the uh, National Abortion Federation of Canada. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it'll be probably a little more, I, I don't know, we'll see how it goes, but it may be a little more interview style than our, our current format. So if there are people out there listening who, you know, you have questions that you would like to ask, uh, someone who knows what they're fucking talking about. Um, that would be great because like I said, like I find it really, our our systems, American and Canadian are different and they're not that much different though. They're they're not that much different. And I, but, but it's really hard. And this is what I said in my email to them. It's like, it's hard to cut through just like the noise and rage of Instagram and social media and people just like, it's hard to see the big picture and it it, mm. it it would be nice i think if we can have a conversation that 
explains, you know, what does this mean? What does this mean for Canada? What are yeah. the things that we need to look at? Because, because in legal terms, I think it is different. It is different in Canada. Um, and just like, yeah, yeah, just basically sorting it out. What do we need to do? How can we help other people? And like, yeah. just fucking put this conversation to rest once and for all. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for that conversation. And, uh, and, and actually that might even be a good conversation to kind of bring to sick boy. Turn me on podcast. We'll be back after this short break. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just nine 99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Yeah. Um, uh, what else do you got? You got something? Uh, do you got something lined up? Or <sighs> yeah, I have this one. This one thing that sort of I had bookmarked from a while back, and I I took another read through it, and it's about um, it's a Vice article called "How to Tell if the Way You and Your Partner Fight Is Actually Not Okay." Ooh, yeah, okay. And I read it, and although I think we've talked about a lot of this stuff before, I think that this really nicely compiles things in a, in a neat way. And while I was reading it, I was like, oh, just it was like a lot of mirror at me. Oh, yeah, um, interesting. The other day, This is, this I got, is interesting because I, I just had a conversation about this with okay. Kira. Okay. Like about, about fighting and like about how, like how fights have played out in past relationships or, you know... Um, so yeah, this is, this is, this is very timely. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I will, uh, I'll just go for it. I'm just going to read it. Uh, this is by Rachel Miller. Um, and it starts with a, uh, a, a little story about two people arguing. So the first line here is from one partner to another. Why do you keep fucking up? This is how Southern Charms Madison LaCroix opens a conversation with her then-boyfriend, Austin Kroll, during a season seven episode of the Bravo reality show. Austin tries in earnest to talk to her about the problems they are having, but she won't let him get a word in edgewise. I'm sorry for being mean, but you deserved it. 
Madison says meanly, then starts berating him. A few episodes later, the two have been broken up for a little while. Austin is sleeping with someone else, and Madison is furious upon learning this information at a party. She stomps up to the treehouse where he's chilling with two of his friends and begins tearing into him for having the audacity to have sex with someone who is not Madison, his ex-girlfriend, the person who recently dumped him. You're a beta, she hollers. You're a pussy. Own it. Austin looks exhausted. I watched both of these scenes play out when the show aired totally transfixed. I love getting a glimpse into how other people argue. Do they shut down when confronted? Immediately go to level 100? Cry? Flatly deny having said the thing we literally just heard them say? Use the term beta? Arguing is something that typically happens behind closed doors and it is fairly taboo. So where else am I going to get a sense of how other people do it? Most of us aren't ever really taught what a heated conversation with a partner should look like. Is swearing okay? Is crying? How bad is it if your fight lasts for hours or even an entire weekend? Is it cool to scream you're a pussy in front of all their friends? At my religious high school, I had to take a semester-long class about marriage. This would have been a great time to talk about how to disagree in a way that is ultimately loving. Instead, we were given fake babies to parent for a few days and told not to have sex. With all of this in mind, I collected some common argument scenarios from friends and colleagues and then reached out to Rosara Torisi, a certified sex therapist in Long Island. Here's what she had to say about the kind of argument characteristics that are generally respectful and not something to worry about and what is really, really not okay. First, Teresi told Vice that there is a difference between an argument and a fight. For me, a fight is something where somebody is purposefully mean to the other person, she said. An argument could be a heated conversation, a debate, or a disagreement. It might not be pleasant, but it's also, in general, healthy. An argument turns into a true fight when people start taking cheap shots or getting mean or being unfair. She said that frequent arguing isn't necessarily a problem and can, in fact, be a sign that you and your partner are comfortable expressing yourselves. You're not dating yourself, she said. You're going to have different opinions and thoughts and beliefs and values. You have thoughts and feelings and you'd like them to be understood and maybe to find compromise with your partner. That's okay. If you think of conflict as inherently bad or worry that it says something terrible about your relationship, that might be because of how you were raised. Most of us either grew up with parents who hid arguing, so we think that no one argues, or they were fighting and mean, and it was something that we were afraid of. Teresi said, I think if you're not arguing, you're not real. You're not being honest. You're not being authentic. Whether or not it's healthy to argue in front of other people is entirely cultural, Teresi said, and depends in a large part on other people's comfort levels. And because arguments feel so intimate, there's a good chance your friends won't love bearing witness to heated conversations. If you do argue in front of other people, though, Teresi said, you have a responsibility to update them once there's been some resolution. Otherwise, Mm. they see only the arguments. She added that it's especially important to give an update if you argued in front of kids. It's totally fine for kids to see arguments, she said. It's not good for them to see fighting because fighting shouldn't be happening anyway. But either way, if things are happening, they need to know 
yes, we argue, and then we figure it out, and we're okay. I can't tell you how much I would have benefited from that as a kid. Yeah, fuck. <sighs> Teresi said this is fairly common, and it happens because a lot of couples have what she called unsolvable problems. In fact, she said most problems in relationships are unsolvable some of these are fairly minor, like disagreements about, say, when and how sh- chores should be done. You'll likely find yourself renegotiating these over and over again during the course of a relationship because there will never be a permanent solve for the problem. There's a solution that works for three months and then it doesn't work anymore, she said. You have another argument, you create a new solution for the next period of time until it doesn't work anymore. But then... There are unsolvable problems that get at core values and core needs. These are the ones to pay attention to. These will be pretty major issues or important boundaries that you won't really be able to manage with short-term solutions. That might be about religion, finances, sex, whether or not to have children, where to live, drug use, things like that, Teresi said. It sucks. It's hard. It's painful. But it often does mean the end of a relationship. So if that's the kind of argument you're having regularly, or you find that you continuously don't see eye to eye on major life issues, it may be time to really think about whether you and your partner are compatible and if this relationship is truly working for you. Spending an entire day arguing doesn't mean your relationship is doomed, but it can be incredibly tiring. If you feel like you're losing years of your life to these long conversations, Teresi said there are a few reasons that might keep happening. First, one partner might be having trouble expressing themselves or feeling understood. We sometimes have to recognize that the receiver needs to receive information in a particular way just as much as the giver of information needs to give information in a particular way. If it often feels like you and your partner just aren't speaking the same language, you could try writing down all your thoughts in advance, talking slower, asking questions to better understand where they're coming from, or just rephrasing what you're trying to say if it's clear something isn't clicking. Also, think about whether something external might be interfering with communication and consider having serious discussions at a different time of day. Example, when neither of you are busy, distracted, or drunk, or moving to a location that feels more neutral, like a private spot in a park versus one in your bedroom. Teresi said it could also be that one or both of you are super verbose. (laughs) And are you laughing at me because of that? (laughs) No, I think. Well, I think we're both kind of verbose, but I'm probably what more is that word verbose? She talks a lot. Oh, okay. I think I'm a little more. I'm I'm more verbose than you, and this gets me into trouble in arguments all the time because I say way more than I need to fucking say. Anyway, um, okay, I'd push back on that, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, Continue. I think I over. Yeah, I just mean by that like over explaining, and then it takes it into directions it doesn't have to go in. Okay. Uh, la la la. It could be that one or both of you are super verbose and are fond of outlining in meticulous detail exactly all the reasons you're upset. While this can be very cathartic for the speaker, long-winded monologues strain other people's ability to pay attention, so it's not great for actual comprehension. Other times, Tracy said, arguments will drag on because you're not talking about the deeper meaning of whatever you're discussing. If you're just staying at the surface level, example, I'm so goddamn sick of finding your dirty socks all over the house, 
you're likely to just keep going around and around in circles. That's because the socks aren't the real problem. It's just easier to talk about it, about the socks, than it is to say, I need to feel respected or I'm worried that you don't take my needs seriously. So if you've been at it for a while with no resolution, ask yourself if there's something being left unsaid that might help move the conversation forward. It could be that you're going in circles because you're dealing with an unsolvable problem that's a true deal breaker. Sometimes it's about avoiding that this is actually the end, Teresi said. People cry for a number of reasons, and Teresi said it's actually a fairly neutral reaction. Tears can be physiological, a physiological manifestation of a big emotional release, a way your body is trying to self-soothe, or an expression of emotional pain. Example, I can't believe you just said that, or I'm scared and hurt. So the fact that one or both of you cries during arguments doesn't necessarily mean that something is terribly wrong with your relationship or the way you argue. And there's definitely some people who feel very manipulated by crying, Teresi said. And I mm. urge people to really <laughs> consider uh, to really consider that as something they have to work on. Crying is a natural reaction that is hard to control or stop. And accusing your partner of using it to manipulate you means you're no longer assuming they have positive intentions. This is not necessarily a relationship that you actually trust in. If you can't assume positive intentions from your partner, then we have a bigger issue than just crying, she said. Loudness is not necessarily something to worry about, in part because it's so subjective. The idea of loud is different for everybody, Teresa yeah. said. I have a Sicilian family. My family talks loudly about everything. She also said that if people are hard of hearing, that can lead to arguments that are relatively loud. But if you're self-conscious about the volume of your arguments, it might be because one or both of you are getting really worked up during arguments, and that's why it's pinging as a problem. Really, that volume is letting us know that our arousal system is overactivated, Teresi said. And if you're arousal system is overactivated, you are not going to have a productive conversation. You're just not. But loudness isn't the only sign that someone is emotionally flooded. So even if you and your partner only ever talk in hushed tones, you should still pay attention to other physical changes when you're arguing. That could look like turning red, getting really warm, an increased heart rate, clenching fists or hair, and other vocal clues like major pitch shifts or suddenly talking very, very quietly. Once that happens to either of you, it's time to take an immediate break from the conversation. A couple of things need to happen for this kind of break to be successful. First, you both have to agree that you'll come back to the conversation. Getting too heated shouldn't be used as an excuse to table it indefinitely. And second, both of you should make a point not to ruminate on the argument during the break, as impossible as that may feel. You actually have to go and do things that cool you down, Teresi said. Go on a walk, take a shower, take a nap, do a meditation, whatever it is for you. She also said it's best to avoid using alcohol or other substances during the break. If this sounds wild to you, you're not alone. But for the sake of your relationship, you do have to figure out a way to do it. There's something called a pursuer-distancer dynamic that some people have where one person says, I need to take a break, and the other one says, you're not going anywhere until we finish this, Teresi said. Mm. 
Part of what makes it so hard for the pursuer is that they are likely overstimulated but can't self-soothe and are looking for their partner to help them calm down, which they think will happen if they just keep talking. But both people are too heated and neither can help the other. Once things escalate to this point, there can even be flares of abusive behavior. There's this demand on a system that actually has no room for demands at that moment, Teresi said. And so people will then often do things that are very, very harmful. To help avoid getting to a point where either of you are hyper-aroused, Teresi also suggested engaging in repair attempts during heated conversations, which can help build trust and connection. That might look like reaching out and taking your partner's hand or giving them a hug or a compliment. Small things like this can really shift the energy of the conversation, soothe everyone's nervous system, and communicate we're on the same team. Mm. There's sometimes swearing or name-calling, like, fuck you, and you're an asshole, etc. This is really not great, according to Teresi. If you want to have a positive relationship, there's no reason to be doing that, she said. If you and your partner curse casually or often in everyday conversation, you may assume it's no big deal. It might be something that was modeled for you. It might even be something that you're thinking, she said, but calling each other names during an argument is not productive and definitely takes a healthy argument into fight territory. Name calling also tends to obscure what you're actually feeling. So if you find yourself about to snap, why are you always such a bitch at your partner? It's a good time to start using ye old I statements. I'm feeling really disrespected right now. I'm hurt. I'm upset. I'm really frustrated right now. Expanding emotional vocabulary is very important, but not something that many of us have learned, Teresi said. Sometimes it's a moment to say, I think we need to learn how to express what's really going on for us. Um, One of us, some of us, will often give each other the silent treatment. Teresi said that fully ignoring someone, also known as stonewalling, is a very problematic way of encountering your partner. To be clear, giving someone the silent treatment is not the same as occasionally saying this argument has me really angry and I need to take a break so I can calm down a bit before we talk about this further. Teresi said a lot of people conflate the two, which is why the idea of taking a break stresses out pursuers. But there's a big difference. One is I'm trying to be present and respectful and authentic here. I'm not doing a great job right now. I need to go help myself so that I can do that, Teresi said. The other is I don't give a shit. I'm done. I'm punishing you. Mm. Beyond that, people often use the silent treatment to manipulate others. It's a part of withholding emotional, intellectual, sexual connection. It's a mean thing to do. It's retaliatory. It's like tit for tat, eye for an eye sort of thing. And it's not a great path. It often means that this is going to be the end of the relationship, she continued, because at least one person is no longer willing to put themselves out there, assume a positive intention and make a bid to connect or receive a bid to connect. It's Mm. usually not a good sign. We often get distracted by a meta argument about how we argue. So we're having two arguments at once. We oh, all. Oh, fuck. That drives me fucking <laughs> nuts. 
<laughs> we all have our bad habits when it comes to disagreements, and it can take time and effort to figure out the best ways to communicate with your partner when you're both feeling upset. And there's certainly nothing wrong with starting to identify unhealthy tactics like name-calling or unproductive ones like monologuing, but attempting to change your partner's argument style in the moment can mean you very quickly lose the thread because you're now arguing about the best time, place, or way to have this argument, and that can contribute to things getting really heated and lasting yeah. for hours. If you're arguing about how you fight and that's happening a lot, that's a really wonderful moment to reach out to a therapist, Teresi said. It's a conversation of, we don't have the skills for this. It's awesome that you recognize yeah. that. Now go get help. While that could look like starting couples therapy, it could also just mean reading self-help books or listening to podcasts that focus <clears throat> on communication in relationships. The Gottman Institute blog is a really good place to start, and John and Julie Gottman have published several books. Basically, mm. Teresi said, it's about becoming experts yourselves on how to help your relationship as best you can. Yeah, that uh, that all speaks a lot. How much me. of that did you cover in your conversation with Kira? Uh, none of that actually. Um, um, but we were just, we were talking about how, like, we just don't like fighting, you know, like I don't like to fight, no. you know, Kira was saying she doesn't like to fight. And, uh, um, and I feel like fighting is like all I've known for the last couple of years. And it's been like, that's been, it, it's been really stressful. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because I actually read this article. Oh, you did? And yes, I read this article when I was at a point where like, I just, I didn't know what the fuck to do. And actually I bought a, I bought a, a, um, a course from the Gottman Institute around that same time. Okay. And I, I was reading that. fucking books and I was listening to fucking podcasts and I was trying to find all the ways to like deal with and manage conflict in, in a relationship. And it's just, um. You know, like like over the years, like you and I have had fights. Yeah, we've had we've we had argue big like we've had lots of arguments, but we've we've had a couple of like big big fights, and it's it's interesting because like there the delineation there between arguments and fighting, yeah, is very. Um, I think that's very important to like to take note of because um, arguments aren't bad. Fighting is bad. You know, fighting is not fighting is not productive. Arguments are healthy. You know. Uh, like they said there, like when, especially when it comes down to like your values and things that you, you know, your beliefs and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, I really just, I don't, I don't dig it. But, but a lot of the things that are in that article are very, um, I feel like I learned a lot through that process of like going through a period of time where there was a lot of fighting Yeah, and like learned a lot about like co-regulation and learned a lot about, you know, especially those like using I statements as opposed to you know, making it about the other person or what have you. And, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. I feel like I have a, I, I, I feel like I have a pretty, a pretty robust tool belt for when it comes to like dealing with conflict and not even just in like intimate relationships, but even with just like with, you know, in general, you know, like with maybe a stranger or something. Um, right. yeah, but, uh, yeah, like Kira and I haven't fought and we haven't really argued yet. And I was thinking, I was actually thinking about that yesterday. I was like thinking by myself, I was like, I wonder if we'll ever, I wonder what, what our first argument will be like. Yeah. I wonder what we'll argue about. 
Well, have we, have we, have we fought? We haven't. We haven't got an argument. No. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna find. I'm gonna argue with you. Yeah, I'm gonna argue with you just to see. Yeah. It is a really good d- distinction to make because I. I think as soon as I start to feel that heat rising in my body, I feel like it's a fight. And yeah. I will, you know, I will often feel that I, when we get in, when I get into a, like, let's say a debate with Todd about something or we're talking about values, you know, I. I feel like Todd's a big debater too. Todd, Todd likes to, Todd yeah, likes to debate. Yeah. He, I mean, and he does. And it, it's it's similar to when I watch you um, have debates with other people to it. it. He seems to be able to have a different opinion, voice his opinion strongly, yeah, and then be fine after. Yeah, See, and my my problem is I get loud. Yeah, like I get loud even in debating, and it's not loud like aggression. It's no. just it's just loud. But but I can see how that could be like taken as I as get like, loud too. But I feel like yeah. I have a right to get loud. I feel like I have a right to get loud because, because you know, and I, I'm saying this as a, as a white woman, but I do feel like a, like a little bit that as a woman, period, in order to like... You gotta compete. You're I got to... Yes, I got to come up and over top of the volume yes. and energy coming at me. Especially, and, with, especially being with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's sucks because yeah. then because then your your volume can be confused as like as aggression or hysteria. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. Hysteria as a woman, yeah. Oh my god. It's just it's such a it's Yeah, you know what your problem is though? You know what your fucking problem is when you when you get it, when you're having an argument or you get into a fight? Is what? you 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 don't talk too much. You do this you you do this thing that actually drives me fucking nuts. I love it. Which You're is it, not in the same room at me, but I can still see you pointing your finger. You know what <laughs> you do? You know what you do? <laughs> Listen, you know what you do though? It actually is so infuriating. Ugh, tell is me about you, myself. You <laughs> you um you take forever to get the words out. And so like some there were there were times where like we would be in a fight and you would be saying your piece and I would forget <laughs> what we're talking about because it's taking you like 7 minutes to get a sentence out and I'm like what are what are we talking about again? Like because, I actually don't even remember what Oh, that's so fucking annoying. <laughs> that's so annoying because if you want me just to fucking talk quickly, that is when I'm going to say things that right, right. I regret that's, that's and right. that that's I don't thing, that, mean, yep. you know, I and that. I just want to be, I want yeah. so badly to be heard and understood that the fact that me being really intentional and taking my time <laughs> annoys you. No, I'm, I'm half joking. I'm half where joking you about that. lose track of what I'm trying to say. That it, that has happened a couple of times, but but that's why writing things down is really good. You know, I like find that. Like I, I find that I find that writing things down, especially when you need like space from an argument. You know, you need space from a fight. That the the ability to write stuff down, you can you can clearly get the thoughts out. And I'm not even good at that. I'm not even good at it. But I know that it's like that. It has been so helpful for me in the past, where I don't feel good about 
my writing. But in the very least, I know I can get it out clear and I can say what I know I want to say without fucking slipping something out that didn't, that I didn't mean or that I, you know, or that was taken without taken in a tone that wasn't meant to be. Yeah. But, but not to be confused with fucking doing it over text. Cause like, that's the, I'm surprised that she didn't, she didn't write about, I'm surprised she didn't mention texting in that article. I know. Because that is... The amount of times that like I've been in like a, an argument or something with an intimate partner and it's through text every fucking time every it just time. explodes. And, and I, I, I fucking still haven't learned my lesson. Like I still to this day will like text something that I know in my I know in my head and my heart. I'm going, you shouldn't text this to this person. You should go talk to them about this. And then I text it and literally fucking 20 minutes in, I go, fuck, why the fuck did I text that? I should, I should just be saying it, saying it aloud because we, we don't like, even, even with jet, like my agent yesterday, like I, he texted me something and I couldn't quite tell if I was reading sarcasm or not. And so I didn't even know how to respond, Uh you know, like I didn't know if I should respond laughing because maybe he was serious or something. It's just so, text is so fucking dumb. It's such a, I actually really appreciate, I've got a couple of people in my life, like Katie is one of them. Like people who are, who like over the top use voice memos. Yeah. And I'm not that guy. I don't voice memo people, but like yeah. there's a couple of people in my life that just voice memo the shit out of me. And I'm like, I love it because I'm like, okay, cool. I can just clearly hear what you're saying, what you're trying to get out there. Like, I'm not going to confuse this with some, you know, poorly written text that's probably got typos in it or whatever. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I well, that, was, totally... that was a good article. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. That was um, that was yeah. useful. There, there's one, there's one other thing I just want to tie into this. Um, I picked up a book today at the library. So you know, we 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 kind of ran out of a, a guest lineup to record with. I you know I finished school. I'm back in action now, firing off a bunch of Termion emails and booking guests and um, looking at all my old bookmarked things. And I don't know when I bookmarked this book, um, but I do know that I follow this person on Instagram. Um, and regularly enjoy the things that they post. This, the author of this book that I just picked up at the library today, I put it, is called, um, the book is called Loving Bravely, 20 Lessons of Self-Discovery to Help You Get the Love You Want. And it's Ooh. by Alexandra H. Solomon, PhD. Uh, lots of bite-sized little words of wisdom on uh, her Instagram. So Alexandra H. Solomon, you could find her there. I'm really excited about this book. And there's something in, um, I won't grab it. It's in my backpack over there, but there, there's something in the, the early chapter. It's a quote from, by someone else. And it just makes reference to, um, it makes reference to, uh, intergenerational stories that we carry about love and relationships and, and sort of like the responsibility. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately is like, if I was to have kids, I would want to make sure that I deal with all the shit from and hurt from my childhood mm. so that I don't repeat it. So you don't, yeah, so you don't tr- pass it on. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, I don't have kids. That's not, the, that's not the plan. So, but I can still do the work to stop the generational patterns that have existed in my family from carrying yeah. on. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in my intimate relationships. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is something that 
like I said, I've been really thinking about it a lot lately. And a lot of it had to do with my my dad passing and then reading this memoir of my sisters. It talks about the history of like my mom and just like reflecting a lot on the things that I I probably am carrying and am maybe not totally conscious of. Um, mm. Yeah. And 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 changing those things as a service of love to the yeah, intimate to the people world. in my life. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So I'll keep you updated on that book. Yeah, like yeah, please do. Maybe we can get the author on. That would be so cool. Yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's wrap this up. Um, so, folks, uh, thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Um, Patrons, and, uh, we love you so much. Thank you for yeah, uh, tuning we in again. love all of our patrons. And if you want to watch today's episode, uh, this whole host episode, it's available on Patreon, patreon.com slash turn me on. So you can go become a, become a patron, support the podcast um, for as little as what it would cost to get a latte uh, <laughs> once a month. And um, uh, if you want to support the podcast further, uh, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen. Or if you're listening on the Spotify mobile app, you can leave a rating there. That's great. And um, if you want to reach out to us for a brain boner or, uh, or you know, a comment or a concern, turn me on podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or if you want to be on the show yourself or you have a recommendation of someone you'd like to hear on the show, mm-hmm. same email address, turn me on podcast at gmail.com. That is it for this week. Mm-hmm. Until next week. Go touch yourself. All right. Now what do you do, Bridie? I don't know. I didn't get this part. <laughs> I, do I okay, press so, finish? No. So hit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit finish for the, for Ecamm. Yeah. So you can do that now. You, right, wait, wh- press, press the theme music first. Okay. <laughs> wait, and then I'm not going to be able to hear it. Okay. All right. There you go. And then press the, um, the, the picture title of us? page. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now can you hear me still? Yeah, I can hear you. Press logic and then press uh, pause. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.